I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16, where this week I'm joined by stand-up comedian, presenter, and the Eurofan, Tom Deacon. So for many different reasons, Tom was one of the guests that I wanted to get on Travel Talks from the moment that I came up with the idea for the show. As a stand-up comedian, I not only knew that he'd make a hilarious guest, but that he has travelled the world performing in different countries and many of the world's best cities. And on top of that, I wanted to get nostalgic because Tom was the host of one of my favourite ever shows on YouTube called Eurofan, where he would travel around Europe supporting different teams in the UEFA Champions League. We spoke about how the idea for the show came about, the stories he picked up along the way, including his time in Amsterdam with KSI, and how he looks back on that time of his life. I really mean it when I say that I'm so proud of this episode and couldn't be more grateful to Tom for coming onto the show, so I really hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. What, what tends to happen is comedians will turn up to another country and I go, oh, I've got this word, a duvet. Do you have duvets over here? Because that's yeah. the punchline to the joke. And I go, oh, no, they're called dunas, mate. And you're like, oh, okay, right, I've got to change that bit. Does that work? But the essence of, of all comedy is about people. Get ready for this, guys, because <laughs> this is and will probably be the best job I've ever done. I was kind of living everyone who is a football fan's dream of going to watch these teams and then support them. Very irritating, very loud, but that's what people loved about KSI. Mm. And we were in Amsterdam, it was freezing, minus whatever it was, it was ridiculous. And I knew that he'd been paid thousands and thousands yeah, of yeah, pounds. Yeah. So you imagine outside the training facilities where they got the security and everything. I just walked up and uh, I went up to the security guard, just showed the BBC, he went, prego, like, <laughs> let's just carry on. And I was like, oh my word. And uh, we got up early and my girlfriend said, is this going to be worth it? And we get there and it, and it was next to nothing. So cheap to go and have these tacos with babacoa and just so special, that memory. Tom Deacon, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on Travel Talks. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's, it's uh, The pleasure's mine as well. When you um, messaged me on the good old Twitter and said, follow me, I need to DM you. Um, <laughs> I was so buzzing, so excited. I looked at your bio. I saw, AM, I saw this stuff and I thought, this is it. My agent, get rid of him. You don't need an agent. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's so lovely to, to chat to you and, and to talk about something that, that means a lot to me. And that's, that's, that's traveling the world and in the, in the, in the work that I've done over the last 10, 15 years. Awesome, mate. So I wanted to start by asking you, how important is travel to you? Uh, it's huge, huge, Alex. Um, I, uh, I seem to have basically I've scraped by a living uh, from I don't know how I've, I'm going to get found out one day I've been able to get paid to to travel the world at times um, watching football watching Champions League football no doubt and um, uh, no less should I say and and um, 
and and also just travel it excites me as a stand-up comic and I've always been able to do that and even going on holidays I just love that adventure you never know what's going to happen and um yeah it, it means everything to me and I think 2020 has been the year that should definitely get in the bin uh, okay. but I I wasn't able to travel as much as I wanted to I was geared up to go to the New Zealand Comedy Festival and and I was really sort of annoyed I understood why mm -hmm. I couldn't go but it's it's really I'm optimistic 2021 will allow a little bit more travel again for me but um it is it when you know you've got that drug it, that's what travel is for me yeah and you can't have it you're I'm just I've gone cold turkey I'm not enjoying it yeah it's tough isn't it I wanted to start by talking about stand-up comedy and take it all the way back to when you first started and ask you what made you want to first start doing stand-up comedy um I think uh for me, I, I love watching comedy and uh, loving how everyone seemed to love the comedian, the, the funniest person in the room or yeah. the person that's got the best joke. Everyone seemed to warm to them. And I, I kind of wanted to be that person because I enjoyed watching it so much. Um, and that, that's that's what I did. I, I wanted to do stand-up comedy. All my mates at school, when I was at secondary school, were like, yeah, but there's one flaw, Tom, you're not funny. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that is harsh. Uh, but okay, well, I'll work on it. Um, and I went to university and, and got an opportunity to, to do some stand-up comedy and, and never looked back really. And, and also the idea that I can get paid to do something you love mm. and never have to work in an office, not knocking people who work in an office, mm. but just for me, I, I wanted to be out there, basically be lazy and play PlayStation as much as possible <laughs> and then work in the evening. But it gave me that outlet. And um, yeah, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, I, I, I'd, I feel very lucky that some, I'll get found out at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's 13 years now of doing stand-up comedy. Wow. Absolutely love it. Wouldn't be without it. Awesome. But obviously that first time that you ever performed in front of a crowd must have been terrifying, surely. So I wondered if you could give us a story from your first gig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, putting me on the spot. First gig. Well, oddly enough, in Southampton, that's where I'm from, mm. uh, there used to be an open mic night. Um, at a place called the Talking Heads, which doesn't exist anymore. And what they used to do, you'd get there early and you say, can I perform 10 minutes? Uh, and there was a massive traffic light in the corner of the, the stage. Mm -hmm. uh, and it'd be green until six minutes. Then it would go amber for the last two. And then red means you need to wrap up. You've got like mm -hmm. a little bit of time left. And, and I was just so excited to, to perform. And I'd, I'd written down some jokes and I thought, yeah, I'm funny. I back myself. I've got this. So I went down with a good mate at the time called Ryan O'Reilly. He's, uh, mm. he's a professional musician. Uh, he's brilliant. Love him to bits. He went down with me and he, he just told me at college, he was like, oh, I, I play the guitar. And at the time I was like, everyone said that, you know, like a Jack Johnson, mm. Banana Pancakes, whatever that song was, right? And you'd be like, oh, really? You're a guitarist? Okay. Why don't you go on before me and I'll go on after you? He absolutely obliterated the room. He was such a talented guy. And I didn't know that. And I backed out. My first gig didn't oh, actually really? happen because I pulled out. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> choked. I was at the back of the room and I asked, you know, like a girlfriend at the time, family members, best mates, I'm doing my first gig. And everyone was like, tell everybody Tom's doing his first gig. Let's see if he can do it. Choked. Having to go around to everybody when they were sat at their table going, I'm not going to go on. I'm really so I'm not. I, I just can't. I just don't feel like. And I've never not gone on stage again. But uh, that, that's that's a fond memory because it was that yeah. turning point. I was like, you can't invite people along and then not perform. Um, so yeah, but, but that, that's one of them. And then actually performing at a professional comedy night, the first ever time. Again, I asked mates down and then knew that I couldn't back out of it. Mm -hmm. 
got on stage, um, had some had some jokes that went down well, and then never looked back. Really amazing, mate. And then that obviously progressed to you winning the 2007 Chaucer Student Comedian of the Year award. Massive belated congratulations, mate. I'm about 13 <laughs> years late, first of all. Don't do that. No one <laughs> does that. I didn't know. No, yeah, no, because it was a small, small award. Uh, I, I don't think anyone in the last 13 years has said, by the way, Tom, congratulations <laughs> on the chore. That's the first time that's ever happened, Alex. But I've, I've gone onto YouTube before and looked at the Chortle, um Student Comedy Award videos of people who've then gone on to be massive comedians. So, for example, like Simon Bird, uh, you're talking about Ed Gamble, these kind of names. Mm. Who were you up against to beat and win that award? Ooh, uh, well, it was the Edinburgh Festival. Uh, your heat, my heat that I had was in Southampton. And because it was sponsored by Chor- um, Revels, that was it, mm. Revels that year, everyone who got knocked out in the, in the uh, preliminary round, I guess, got a box of Revels, like a big <laughs> box of them. And I was a bit annoyed, actually, because I didn't get a box of Revels, but I went through <laughs> to the final, finished university, so this is my last year ever of, of entering that competition. I believe the year before Nathan Caton won it, who's a, who's a fantastic comic that I still work with. Uh, my year, Simon Bird got knocked out because he deliberately broke the rules. Uh, he wasn't supposed to mention Revels in his, in his comedy skit or, or set, but he did that and he, he just read out the rules. Uh, and it was <laughs> like a funny, funny man is Simon Bird. Yeah. I don't need to explain who he is to people from the in-betweeners. I went to the final, definitely Ed Gamble, and it would probably annoy any other comedian who was in that heat or the final that, that didn't, that I don't mention now. But it was it was a really, really tough uh, competition. And again, I invited lots of mates along to be in the crowd um, because they were all up there. It was, this was our sort of final year. Um, and to win it uh, was mad, got £2,500 and no revels. So again, I was no more revels. annoyed. <laughs> about i didn't get any free revels but that actually with this with this podcast about travel the the other prize was to be flown out to canada so i'd never done a long haul flight went to toronto to compete in the great canadian yuck yuck laugh off it's called (laughs) it's a particular comedy club there so that was my first travel and i I definitely got a taste uh for traveling then brilliant and i wanted to talk about edinburgh fringe because obviously that's where the uh final was taking place i've been to edinburgh fringe edinburgh festival before 25 days of comedy like it's absolutely incredible for the uh audience but what's it like for the comedian the opposite (laughs) it's the opposite anybody listening you want to go up and see people broken (laughs) it's kind of like a roller coaster um where you know Ronan Keaton said you just got to ride it it's hard in Edinburgh because you're up and down your mood swings one minute it's raining it's chucking it down you've got no audience in your room or and then the other days it's packed and it's just it's a roller coaster of, of adrenaline emotions and if you do want to see one of your favorite comics broken that's the place to go and to go and find them on the street uh wandering around handing out flyers but uh yeah it's it's it's, it's an amazing festival uh I'd done four solo shows there I don't plan to go back anytime soon because I don't fancy losing more money because that's yeah. the thing. That's yeah. the thing that, that cuts us deep. I think the most expensive Edinburgh I had was £12,000. I was out of pocket at the end. But here's the, the positive side. Uh, that was a show I was doing about completing a 2010 World Cup sticker album, mm. which then from that led on to doing the Eurofan. Um, nice. 
So everything happens for a reason. And I think I've just paid it off uh, 10 years on. So well done to me. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Edinburgh as a city though? Beautiful. I like stunning place. I, I love it. Um, around the Arthur's seat is a great walk. Mm. Uh, you, you go up there. The, the people are brilliant outside of the festival because people have to understand the whole of Edinburgh still carries on, but a lot of the people that live there move out so they can charge mm. three times the amount <laughs> on their rent. And uh, to, so they, it, you know, one month they can pay off three months because you're, you're paying so much to, to go and stay mm. there. But the city's beautiful. The food's amazing. I took my girlfriend last year. We went up and loved it. But we now want to explore more of Scotland because she was like, I've got a taste for it. I want to go and see more. And that's the beauty. But you don't get to see that during the festival. You're, you're so concerned. You're, you're fixated on how many people are in my room. Yeah. Uh, is this joke funny enough? <laughs> when are the reviewers coming in? you don't get to appreciate how beautiful like the meadows are in, in Edinburgh. But, um, but yeah, I, I'd love to go back. Just not at the festival. Yeah. Don't blame me, mate. After hearing that. So I want to speak about some more places that comedy has taken you. You mentioned Canada and Edinburgh, but where's the most obscure place that comedy has ever taken you? Obscure. Wow. I wasn't expecting that as a question. <laughs> where is it obscure? I, um, New Zealand was, uh, uh, an amazing adventure that I went on um, because I, because there's moments in your life. I think when I look back to places I've traveled to, it's a point in my life. And I go, Oh, I love that because of, I was going through this in my life or mm. I'd just gone through a breakup and, or, you know, this was going on in my work life. So you have those memories mm. uh, and New Zealand was, it was a great place. It's performing in the little tiny places that were great, but actually Australia, now come to think of it, I did a gig in a place called Capella, which I think has an, uh, a population of maybe 500. It's just wow. a road. It's just, it, it, you, you sort of look left and right, and then you've gone past Capella. That's it. <laughs> and I performed there on the Sydney, sorry, the Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow, flown out for two and a half weeks to go to a different town every night. And these are the, the really backward like no one really goes there on holiday places mm. and capella was odd it was in their hall their town hall i think the whole town was in there if you <laughs> can call them a town um very obscure but they 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 loved you more because you'd come to their little place mm. um so i think that's a, a i probably crashed and burned like i did on most of those gigs uh but i um yeah th that was obscure because of the, the the size of the town and doing a gig there yeah so obviously Aussies are renowned for having a good sense of humour. But mm. what's it like going around the world, performing to different countries, different sense of humours? Do you find that your jokes land better in some countries than others? Yeah, I think you can get a, a sense of it. A, a lot of the gigs that I do in Europe, I did one earlier in 2020 uh, in Vienna and Budapest, and you've got a lot of expats who are there. So you mm. connect with them on the... I'll tell you what, mate, it's nice to be here rather than England. Let me tell you the problems with England and yeah. then they can connect to you. So it's about you connecting uh, with that audience because a lot of the comedy, as long as it's what, what tends to happen is comedians will turn up to another country and I go, oh, I've got this word, a duvet. Do you have duvets over here? Because that's yeah. the punchline to the joke. And I go, oh, no, they're called donors, mate. And you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> right, I've got to change that bit. Does that work? But the essence of, of all comedy is about people mm. and connecting and whether it's about relationships or random obscure things, people will, will get that. Just some of the words you have to change so that they, they're on board with the story takes the, the most amount of time. But what I love <laughs> about that two and a half weeks in Australia, come to think of it, was 
a girlfriend at the time kept banging on about Australia. Oh, I'd love to go to Australia. I want to go to Australia. And I was like, oh, couldn't think of anything worse. Australians, so noisy, noisy, <laughs> just full of themselves. Nah, not for me. I'd rather go to America. I quite like America. Then I get offered the, we'll fly you out for two and a half weeks, Tom, come, come across. <laughs> I went there and I was like, nah, I'm probably not going to like it, but a gig's a gig. I'll enjoy it. I fell in love with the place. And as really? soon as I got back, I was like, oh, we have to go to Australia. This is the place. Oh, the people, <laughs> that warmth you get. And it, it, it definitely did come across when um, uh, doing the gigs that they are a kind of bubbly, lively people. Like if you come in miserable, they don't particularly like that. They like mm. the upbeat sort of style. So, um, so I did actually go down well there, but yeah, would love to go back. Awesome, man. And of course you must be missing stand-up this year. We spoke about it before you came on the podcast about you performing on Zoom. How does that differ? And it sounds like a stupid question. I've just said it out loud and it sounds like a stupid question. How does that differ to performing live? Uh, well, for example, in this uh, flat that my girlfriend and I rent, uh, it's not, I'd never had a gig before where my girlfriend will sort of come on the stage and you go, you're shouting, I can hear you in the lounge. So that's never happened before. Uh, so that definitely differs. But say this setup right now, we're doing this podcast and I'm chatting to you. I'm in a spare room. And this is where I do my Zoom stand-up gigs. Mm. And there's nothing weirder than saying goodnight to people and closing the laptop screen down. And then you're like, what am I going to do now? Whereas before the buzz was the travel to the gig, mm. what could possibly happen? Writing your notes down on on piece of paper going, I want to do this joke. I want to try that. Yeah. And then after the gig, you have a beer with or, or a drink maybe with another comic or you're mm. rushing to another gig. There was this adrenaline, there was this buzz. I was in London and now it's kind of like, yeah, I should actually hoover. Yeah, I should hoover now. <laughs> that is not, it's, 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 it's a massive come down. Yeah. Uh, or you're like, yeah, we'll put some dinner on. And um, I, But at the same time, being able to connect with people is what I love about stand-up comedy. And in the Zoom gigs, I might be hosting them and, chatting to people and looking inside their their living room their lounge mm. their bedroom you you are connecting with people so so it has given me the outlet to connect but i haven't been able to feel like i've actually been working or, or feel like i'm getting that buzz from yeah from being somewhere else rather than my, my spare room yeah it sounds tough I wanted to move on and talk about um, Eurofan now. We spoke about it previously. I was a huge fan of it growing up and it got over 8 million views. I was having a look the other day. I wanted you to explain to people who aren't such a massive fan as I am what the concept of this series was. Get ready for this, guys, because <laughs> this is and will probably be the best job I've ever done. <laughs> people called Copper 90 were putting together a show and... I previously mentioned about being in Edinburgh and I did a sticker album uh, show where I completed it. And that was the kind of whole point of it. I suggested this idea to a guy. He was like, well, actually, we've kind of got this idea of the Eurofan where someone travels around and watches Champions League football matches. And I was like, yeah, that's great. And they're like, do you like football? And I was like, love football. <laughs> so they added another element where for every match I would travel to, whoever the home team was, I would support that home team and then find out about everything that that club has to offer. Why the fans are passionate, why they support that team, who are the favorite players, what's the city like? And that's what I did. So I traveled around for a whole season, uh, going to different home matches in the Champions League, started off at Malaga, went to Romania, to Cluj, 
went to support Real Madrid, Dortmund, Bayer Leverkusen, all of these, uh, it's Spartak Moscow, bonkers trip. Yeah. I would then get the normally get the shirt, hang out with the fans, uh, have a translator, try and understand and just get amongst it. That was the phrase that was used yeah. a lot for, for Eurofan. And it was incredible because I'm a football fan. I'd be watching some of the best players in the world at their peak playing. And that's essentially what the Eurofan was. I was kind of living everyone who is a football fan's dream of going to watch these teams and then support them. And, um, and yet at the same time, I'm a massive Southampton fan. So mm. I would, I would take on board that team. I know that isn't the, the quickest or shortest summary no, I love it. of what the Eurofan was, but you kind of have to see it. I would be an adventure. I wouldn't have a ticket for the game. How am I going to get a ticket? That was yeah. what the episode was all about. And um, yeah, I miss it a lot. I have to say, I miss it a lot. Oh, I loved it, mate. Was there an episode which you enjoyed the most personally? No, no, <laughs> there isn't. Because I was going to ask you actually, what did you like about the Eurofan? Because yeah. I just rambled on about it uh, and what it was about. Every episode was different. Some were more challenging than others. We did it for two seasons. So if I went to go and support Real Madrid in season one, what were we going to do for 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 the, the next year? Yeah, because I've course. already done all of those things. So we mixed it up. We we met different fans. Um, <laughs> all right, one memory that, that 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 sticks out is just being on a blag. That's what mm. the Eurofan was about. We had a team of maybe four people traveled around and and we would get to we'd go early morning cheapest flight possible <laughs> arrive and then go right you have got 48 hours till the game or you've got 24 hours before the game yeah we've got to get there find something make uh make essentially magic happen make yeah. something happen and that was the adrenaline it was traveling around the city finding fans or going into a pub contacting people on twitter does anyone want to help out the euro fan etc cetera, etc cetera. so you never knew what was going to happen we turned up at, in turin it was juve versus celtic celtic were already out of the competition and we get to the training ground and uh directors with me uh funny funny guy uh, if anyone's worked with a team before, he's the like w the weirdest, oddest, most <laughs> fascinating bloke called Alex Grazioli, Italian man, lived in New York. He spoke like this all the time. Okay, Tom, we don't know what we're going to do. Okay, so you have to make something happen. Very <laughs> intense guy. We're at the training ground. All the reporters are going through to the press conference where Antonio Conte was going to talk about the team, the lineup, how they were going to play. And I had a BBC pass that I always took on these journeys in the first season because I was thinking, well, look, if anything happens to me, say we get caught uh, doing something we shouldn't or what have you, mm. uh, I'd have that BBC pass like, I'm a journalist, I'm out of here. Not that I was, I just did a radio show. That was all I did. <laughs> and they said, well, why don't, I said, why don't I see if I, this can get me into the press conference? So you imagine outside the training facilities where they got the security and everything. I just walked up, I've got a, a hoodie on, um, I had my Juve top underneath and I had, I was mic'd up and uh, I went up to the security guard, just showed the BBC. He went, prego, like, <laughs> let's just carry on. And I was like, oh my word, I am now walking <laughs> to the press conference, got up there. There's loads of people. And I think I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. Mm. I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. What am I going to do? Woman comes up to me, starts speaking in Italian. And I was like, ah, oh, excuse Like, cause I learned a couple of phrases every trip I went, uh, excuse Um, And she said, oh, you are from BBC Scotland. And I was like, immediately just 
that's right. I turned from a 25 year old <laughs> into a 40 odd, just like that's right. Um, from BBC Scotland, and she said, No one else has come from, from the, the Scottish media. And I was like, oh, it was pretty heavy night. So I'm now <laughs> lying about this situation. She said, well, well the press conference is going to start. Do you need a translator? And I said, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. So a press conference, Sky, the whole media team are at the back. Antonio Conte, Andrea Bizzali, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, the, the, the captain at the time, are at the front. They put a translator at the front of the desk as well. Every Italian question that was asked was translated into English. Oh, wow. Just for me. Honestly, <laughs> I thought I was going to get arrested. I genuinely was standing in this room. I've, I've blagged my way in. And then you've got this all going on. And I'm thinking, I'm feeling so guilty. So then I had to take out my phone, which is all I had, and pretend I was filming and making notes. Mm. So I shouldn't have been there. And the press conference was now even longer because they had to translate everything <laughs> for me. And then as Andrea Vizzali walked past and Antonio Conte, I unzipped my top and went, could you sign my yeah. shirt? <laughs> That's how I got Andrea Bazzali's uh, signature and then got the heck out. That's a very magical moment for yeah. what the Eurofan was all about. Um, and a lot of the stuff we couldn't show uh, because we just couldn't film it. We, we, we recorded as soon as we landed till the moment we left, uh, hanging out with the fans. But the hardest thing for me, I think, when I look back at it, was actually being emotionally invested in certain teams like mm. Atletico Madrid at the, at the Champions League final in Lisbon. I think I was 2013. I went there supporting Atleti. They play in red and white. Rocky Blancos, as it called in Spain. I'm a Southampton fan. They play in red and white. That's yeah. how they ended up uh, playing in red and white Atleti. So there's oh, a really? connection there. Yeah. They lost in the final. And then they're like, right, Tom, right, Deco. That's what we should say. Deco, we're going to do a link now when the fans are exiting the the Stadio de Luis uh, stadium. And I've got to do a link. And they're like, be more upbeat, Deco. <laughs> just watch the team yeah and you've got fans shouting at me in spanish like telling me to do one and i'm recording and and I, but amazing if you've never watched it it is ridiculous yeah. when i look back at it now but that wasn't just champions league football from that that took me to uh the mls to go on an american trip there it took me to bermuda for the island games and then it took me to the world cup 2014 in brazil where i was there for five weeks working with uh, Maya Jama as my co-host, poet Vujanic. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just, yeah, uh, in incredible. It started something, but my buzz for traveling was already there. But then every two weeks, I'd be flying off to a new destination and getting amongst it. That was the idea. Yeah, well, it was absolutely brilliant. It still holds up to this day as well, because in preparation for this, I just went back and blitzed as many as I could. And really? watching the Dortmund one just brought back pain more than anything to see the fans. It kind of made me realise, you quite don't realise when you're watching football every week and they've got that fake crowd noise and you listen to it and you just kind of forget there's no one in the stadium. But when you see it for yourself, that fan footage that you were filming, of the fans in the stadium roaring and you kind of go, yeah, it was absolutely amazing, wasn't it? And we can't do that anymore. Which, which, which one Dortmund was that? Because there was, there was two trips. There was one that I had where they had to beat Real Madrid uh, by more than three. I think they had to score three goals. They only got two mm. uh, against uh, Ica Casillas. And I was next to the Gelbo van, which is the yellow wall. So if yeah. there's any sports fans, that's like, th th they sing, you'll never walk alone before the match. It's a proper 
you know, your oh, the hairs are stood up. Yeah. It's a tingling moment. And every time I'd go to a new stadium, I'd be pinching myself going, I would have never have paid for this on my yeah. own yeah. to come out here and be amongst it. And the Gelber Band is, is just a yellow wall of, of Dortmund fans. There was that match they lost, which was hard because I, I really fell in love with Dortmund. They're at they yeah. the smaller do, club. It? Yeah, they're the, 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 the smaller club. And then the other one, was against Malaga where they yeah, got Yeah, that's through. what it was. I didn't want to say Malaga just in case I tri- uh, trip myself up, but obviously you had such a strong relationship with the Malaga fans. Yeah. And you bumped into them, didn't you? And you were supporting Dortmund. And yeah. they didn't quite and, like and, it. And that's, I think, the beauty of, of, of football, whether you like football or not, and you're listening to this, is it's just those connections. Uh, the Malaga guys were, were called the Giri Army. So there are a lot of expats living out mm-hmm. in Malaga. And they took me under their wing. They were so excited to be part of it. Um, and uh, do you know what? We, we stole something from Soccer AM, oddly enough, <laughs> where they would walk up. Some of the, the, the fans in this pub would, would say their name and walk forward like the oh, old yeah. school. You the know, like, we dive yeah. <laughs> or something. Or redders. Um, <laughs> but I, I've really got on with them. And they took, took, took us, the whole team actually, under their wing, um, sort of banging on about how I've got John Smith's here. You can get John Smith's on tap. I am the only pub in Malaga where you can get John Smith's on tap proper characters and then we went to Dortmund met up with them in the square and oddly enough that was the match for some reason I'd been to the the Dortmund fan shop and decided to take a gnome they they love garden gnomes in Germany yeah with a Dortmund car I took it into the stadium with me a gnome because <laughs> I'd have to film on my own so that was odd like the, before selfies were really a thing I'm there mm. at the ground annoying people just go yeah it's me the Eurofan I'm in here I'm in the Westfalenstadion mm. uh, I do in a park now um, and, uh, and I have a gnome with me and to watch the Dortmund fans leave around me early they'd been moaning at me for like this is not your seat you're not sitting your correct seat and I was like jog on mate like it's a football match like, enjoy it to Malaga to lose in, in injury time and to be one of in the little area where I was, maybe the ten percent of the Dortmund fans stayed for that mm. incredible moment. Wow! So I felt very privileged, and it is odd when you take on the identity of of, of a new fan that that I actually felt for Dortmund. Mm. I was like, well, that's well done to them, uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm just watching Jurgen Klopp run and skid on the on the yeah. on the turf, and he's celebrating with all his Dortmund players. I'm then immediately feeling. Oh, I'm really sad for Malaga. This was their one mm. opportunity. So I, it was an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, it, it sounds it really it. was at times. Do you have a favourite stadium that you went to? Obviously, Signal Laduna Park must be up there. Do <laughs> <laughs> have a it's good old St Mary's, uh, yeah. Southampton? Uh, obviously, <laughs> is is oh cherished. Uh, it, it is actually a nice stadium. Um, doing match day hosting there, but I think the mad maddest. I mean, the the, the Champions League final was was incredible in Lisbon. <laughs> It's hard. The Allianz Bayern Munich stadium is is amazing. Juventus's stadium, there's a shopping centre um, just underneath. So that's good if you wanted to get a few nibbles uh, on, the way, on the way home. Uh, Schalke was freezing. Um, but then again, I loved Romania, Cluj. They were playing Man United and yet it's barbed wire all around in certain areas. Mm. The Romanian fans, Romania um, is separated between uh, Hungary, Romania of, of old and the, the new Romania. So you have two sets of Cluj Cefre fans supporting the same team. Those that, are, that, that identify as Hungarian Romanian mm. and those that remain uh, identify as just, just Romanian. 
And so you're singing two sets of songs um, that was iconic, but yet it was the smallest, oddest, yeah. weirdest stadium. That I couldn't pick one basically I, yeah. like, because they're so each have their own unique atmosphere. Being outside the Bernabeu when there's the street, you couldn't move in the streets for mm. rail fans. Um, yeah, it's, it was a really tough question. I've been asked it a lot and, mm. and I still don't really have an answer. I should by now have an answer. And I couldn't move on from talking about Eurofan without touching on KSI because I had to go <laughs> back and watch that episode because straight away you see KSI in a thumbnail and you click it, it's, yeah, everyone's guilty. What was it like? Because for me, that was prime KSI. 2013 comes on screen. The second you pan over the cameras, that KSI, full of energy, full of life. That was him perhaps in his prime. What was it like working alongside him? Um, different, different <laughs> is, is the best way. I think the world of YouTube, and then this isn't to, to not KSI in any way, I actually really got on with him. Um, once the camera's off, yeah. I found him to be, actually I could connect with him, I could engage, I could chat um, and find out a little bit about his life story. I was like, uh, mate, do you want to go for a drink? He said, I don't drink. I was like, well, I'll have <laughs> a pint. You can have whatever you want. Let's try and connect. And yeah. I actually really got on with him and, and, and understood his vision and what he wanted to do with his channel. But he was being paid a huge amount yeah, I bet. to be there because he had the subscribers, because he had the followers mm. on Copper 90 at the time. Um, so there were different shows, uh, essentially. If you imagine, um, yeah, like there, there was there was Poem Vuge, comments below. Yeah. Um, and then you had KSI was doing one where he would just travel to places, meet other FIFA fans who yeah. like enjoy playing the game. And he would just be there's no other word for it. Irritating is probably the best word yeah. for it. Very irritating, very loud, but that's what people loved about KSI. Mm. And we were in Amsterdam. It was freezing minus whatever it was. It was ridiculous. And uh, I knew that he'd been paid thousands and thousands yeah, of yeah, pounds yeah. To, to, to be there. But we got on, I remember I was having an, a, a coffee in a coffee shop and the producer and my t the team that we were working with were like, you've got to do something, KSI. You've got to go in there, cause, do be KSI. Go and mm. cause uh, chaos. And that's when he ran into a coffee shop, shouted. Everyone stopped, looked <laughs> around. They thought it was a robbery. And then he just picks me up and carries me out. And it's like my face is grimacing. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. But that was the, the, what made the show interesting. But some of the best moments were where just him and I were at the in Ajax's stadium watching them win and uh and fans would come up who knew who he was and we were just able to just chat as two mm. guys going to watch the football so freezing cold weather he was actually really sound really got on with him when the camera wasn't rolling when the camera was rolling I was like what is he gonna yeah. do <laughs> how is he gonna make chaos and, and I'm like yeah jovial but I'm being professional. That's the one yeah. thing when I got into you're presenting. You're it together. Like, yeah, you're, I'm, I'm the straight guy now. I'm yeah. like, I'm never normally the straight guy. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But yeah, epic. And and from meeting him and how that helped Eurofan and more people's eyes and attention were brought to it. But yeah, so so uh, very, very cool. And just to explain it, when went to Romania, Cluj. I'd never been to Romania before. Didn't know what to expect. Bumped into Max Rushton. Um, and Lee Dixon, they were out there filming something, I think for Soccer AM, and end up trying to blag a, an interview with Lee Dixon ahead of the match. And that, that was the, the, the kind of energy of the place, like being in the same, on the same flight as Gareth Southgate. Um, to, awesome. And you're just like, I'm so in this world. Yeah. And 
and not and very much far removed from it but um yeah ksi all the best to him uh but we, we we're not staying in, in contact i mean i did message him a couple of times <laughs> but i didn't get a reply so it's yeah thanks for bringing it up <laughs> sorry mate <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. <laughs> so I could talk to you about um, Eurofan all day, but I want to talk and move on to more different elements of travel now. And I asked you in advance to kind of have a little think about some answers if you could. But a question which sometimes people don't always have an answer for is the most adventurous trip. Uh, it, every trip that I went on with the Eurofan was yeah. was the, the most adventurous. Nothing quite lives up to that that adventure. But at the same time, I think adventurous for me finished in Spartak Moscow. So I'm flying back from um, from Russia, and the next day I'm I'm flying again, but mm. out of my own choice, my own holiday. I went to New Orleans in, in America. Amazing. And I love football, but I also love American football. And I, on a previous trip, maybe that's actually the most adventurous, but let me finish one thought in my <laughs> head. Uh, this is what happens when you don't have an auto cue. Uh, <laughs> I traveled to New Orleans to meet my parents. My mum had been to America before, but my dad had never been. And he said, I, I don't, it's not for me. I'm not going to enjoy it. And I said, look, I love NFL. 
I've been before. You'll love it. Mm. Let's go. Let's, I'll meet you out there. Let's go to a game. I'm a big San Francisco 49ers fan. They're playing New Orleans at the, the Superdome. It will be incredible. New Orleans has got a lot of history. And I met them out there. So like I've literally landed from Russia, get home, get some kip. Then it's up six Amazing. hours later. The, the suitcase has been tipped out and then refilled. <laughs> Let's go to New Orleans. And I, and I loved it because it was beautiful watching my dad, who'd never been to America before, see it and fall in love with the culture, which he said, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. Everyone's happy. What are they all about? <laughs> They're giving it the big one. Oh, no, no. But he's there and he's like, oh, this is really fun. And going to tailgate on our way down to to the Superdome, they just, they they fell in love with it. And it's a very, very special trip. But I think the adventure for me was, it's just one thing to another and then mm. and then go and, and, and see everything. So there's that. But then also my first trip with my best mate where I saw NFL was we flew to LA. We then had a couple of days. Then we went to San Fran. Then we went to Las Vegas, then Austin, Texas, nice. then Miami, and then flew home. It was a two week, uh, like, blitz of everything it sounds so unreal basically. yeah it, it, it was amazing like yeah. like we just mapped it out and i think i ate 14 hamburgers like burgers <laughs> in the space of uh, in the first week and my mate was like i don't understand like how have you managed that i was just like i'm in america i'm gonna yeah, you know, take it in while you can in, <laughs> yeah eat what you can and when in rome go for it so yeah. that was the adventurous because we would be doing we here's where we need to be here's where our hotels are booked or our hostels mm. Let's just do it. I think that's probably the most adventurous of, of just going. And he's a planner. This is something that people, there's two types of travelers. Yeah. Those that plan everything, the finite detail, like, oh, we know we need to be here at eight. I've booked the train, blah, blah, blah. And then there's me, which is like, let's go with the flow. Let's see yeah. what happens because you can make the best plans, but something will happen. And I learned that from the Euro fan. So I was like, we, we just need to know, we need to get to Miami. Let's book the flight nearer the time. Mm. And that's the best holiday because you, you end up staying maybe, or we change the hotel dates and that's adventure yeah. sort of holiday for me. Awesome. So New Orleans, you've mentioned there, an amazing city. Is it your favorite or do you have a different favorite? No, it wasn't. It wasn't my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Every city is like, oh, I loved it for this. I loved the Creole. I loved the jambalaya. I loved the yeah. food. I loved, I remember going to a, a bar that, had music on live music so my dad was loving it my mum yeah. was in one room and then i just wanted to watch the nfl that was on the t on the tv in the other room <laughs> for some unknown reason i'd bought a cigar and i thought i was you know billy big balls just sat, sat on a bar i got my own room because no one was in there because everyone's at the music gig yeah and i think i was talking to the barmaid i think that's what it was <laughs> um and i'm just what and, and so i've got these iconic they're almost like um pictures in my mind of of this this trip that that was just like brilliant i love that bit we went uh to uh an area down where, you, where tourists don't necessarily go to and we ate around there magical but when i think does that compare to when i was in vancouver last year i loved vancouver vancouver had the water uh it mm. had the ramen they got this incredible cuisine there and then i'm thinking but I watched the ice hockey. That was incredible. But then if I compare that to Madrid, when I went, you know, and I and, and yeah. Philadelphia the year before, I I loved Philadelphia. And these are my holidays that I've I've kind of paid for out of my own pocket to go there. Yeah. There isn't one place that 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 stands out for me in terms like I loved Bologna for the food. Mm. I loved being mm. in Florence. 
it's really hard to to, to say one place stands out amongst others because because there's so many places I still want to go and see. I, I, w- w- probably when I'm on my deathbed, I'll say, <laughs> you know what? I've decided I really like the Isle of Wight. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably yeah, yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously cities are completely different to the kind of trip and holiday you get from going to beaches. Would you consider yourself a city break or a beach break kind of person? Definitely a, a city break person. Yeah. Um, we did, uh, blimey, when was it? Uh, 2019, uh, went to uh, Italy and Florence. We did that, but we broke up the trip because in Bologna, you could fly for 20 pounds Wow! on the Monday, come back on the Friday uh, to Montenegro, which I'd never been to before. So my yeah. girlfriend and I went there and that was a beachy holiday. And <laughs> all <laughs> I do, which is why I'm not ideal for the heat. I cannot, my brain just cannot function. I said, I kept turning to her saying, oh, I'm really hot. And she goes, yeah, yeah, oh, it is hot, isn't it? It's 40. And about a minute later, my brain inside, I'm talking to myself going, do not say how hot you are again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't help it. My, <laughs> what comes out is I'm really hot. Like <laughs> I am useless in the heat. I think it's my Irish genes just uh, in an absolute meltdown. So the beach holiday, if I'm into a book, I'm reading one, which isn't mm. that often. I can totally see why it would be brilliant for people. But for me, I'm all about the exploring. Oh, there's this coffee place. We have to go to that hipster place. We'll go there, go, look at the size of that guy's beard. (laughs) He is proper hipster. Then we're off to another place, find this restaurant. And that for me, it, it, that relaxes me. Like people think that, that you'll be tired walking around, but it's the excitement of the next thing you might find. Not a museum person. When I think city break, a lot of people say museums. I am all about the food, coffee and then the cocktails or, or a nice trendy bar that i'm like oh wow like that for me is i'm refreshed ready to yeah, go again i'm exactly the same mate it sounds like a perfect trip just describing that i wanted to move and talk about um stand up in cities so when you get asked to go to let's say like antwerp brussels cities i know you've been to do stand up in the past do you make sure that you've got a couple of days either side to kind of explore the city or is it very much like an in and out kind of job normally enough for, for stand up comedy it is the promoter running the gig will have booked it for you. So they'll mm. say, we've booked the Eurostar. This is the time you need to be there and we'll get you the first one out. That tends to be the life mm. of a stand-up comic. You you don't want to spend too long in a place, which goes against what I like to do. So often I, I will ask the promoter, can you just like even give me an afternoon mm. and then I'll come home. That tends to be what I'd like to do. But... Um, Finland's a place that I've been to gig a lot and uh that is a that is a very um I kind of like I love the place I love the Mm. people they don't do small talk they are (laughs) bizarre like um you'd be chatting to someone from Finland and you'd be like oh it's great weather isn't it they go yes it's very good weather and then you're like oh and I like your shoes I'm sorry I've run out of small talk they do not (laughs) do small talk they don't banter you don't know if they're laughing or enjoying something but that that's what makes them so interesting i went to lapland to do comedy oh, wow. uh, in a place called rovenyemi um in a football stadium there's only one stand just just giving you the heads up on that one stand <laughs> and it was two thousand people and they'd all packed in there for a festival incredible i ate reindeer i i was there for five days i had four gigs so i had that extra day to to mm. explore um, I don't know why that just popped into my head, but th- those are the, the trips of stand up where you kind of get to enjoy it a little bit. 
stay one night in one place, move on to the next. And uh, so I, I'd, I'd seek that. I often talk to the promoters, can I come back? Mm. Compare that to going to Norway where it's quite expensive. They might say, you can ha- we'll pay for the hotel for the two nights that you're gigging. Uh, this mm. is in Oslo. Uh, if you want to stay longer, you can pay for it. And then I looked at the hotel <laughs> prices. And I was like, nah, that is not happening. Don't worry about it. No, nah, no. Nah. Do you know what? Actually, <laughs> nah, that's fine. I'll just come back next year. Is it possible I can come back? So I, w- I do love to explore because if you're going to talk to an audience, I like to walk around the city a little bit, find something, find the funny things. Like in Norway, it always goes down well. The, the joke that their airline is SAS. So I had this story about, you know, the landing was, I didn't land. I got thrown out. It's the SAS. You've got to land yourself. So it's just a silly little yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And like, this is funny. Yes, you may do this again. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you, you've, you've taken an interest in where they live. So I think that's very important as a, as a, as a comic to, to go and do it. But it doesn't mean I always get to, to see a little bit more of the city. Yeah, awesome. So to move on to a separate question now altogether, do you have a favorite country? On the spot again with this question. <laughs> do you know what? I was worried about coming on this podcast thinking, <laughs> do not sit on the fence uh, yeah. today, today, Tom. <laughs> do not sit on the fence. Just have a definitive answer. But then another part of my brain was like, yeah, but then you'll regret that because in a year's time, you'll change your mind. Yep. You'll have said Finland, you love <laughs> Finland, uh, but now you've changed your mind. I do like America. I like it a mm. lot. Um, because every little state is different to the the previous one. And I, and I've still got loads of places that I want to go to in America to, mm. to watch NFL. Um, but there's places I don't like, like Miami. That's, I, I remember I listened yeah. to the podcast with, with tubes and he talked about mm. it and I was like, I totally connect with that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. devoid of personality or the personality that you're seeing is, is sort of vacuous. Like it's about yeah. the showiness of it. Yeah. Favorite country. I think I still will say America mm. just because of all the trips I've had with work. Um, I loved Kansas, a, a great place watching um, MLS uh, and, and managing to piss off Thierry Henry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm going to say America. And it's a great answer. Now. It's a thanks, great answer. Thanks, no one can thanks, argue do you know that. What? If you'd have said, Tom, just make this in 20, 30 seconds, please make a decision. <laughs> I'd have I'd have given you America. There you go. Always go with your gut as well. You have to because I, I don't have a clue what I'd say and I ask the question every week. <laughs> but then again, but then again, Alex, I did like Lithuania, which is a oh, weird yeah. thing. That's obscure. It is obscure, isn't it? I'm gonna throw that down. I'm gonna okay. add that in. Nice. Uh, because I didn't do comedy there, but I went with my girlfriend because I'll answer that question. <laughs> Twelve pounds um oh, from really? Oslo. Uh, to fly to Lithuania, twelve pounds. That's twenty-four pounds for both of us. Our suitcase, how much? Twenty-four pounds. I'll give you the answer. <laughs> Went to Lithuania, did not know what to expect in the in a city, Vilnius. Vilnius. I was going to try and impress you by telling you, I couldn't remember what? it. I couldn't and, remember it. And then, um, uh, Akinfemwe, uh, yes, the beast. Yeah. He paid He's... in Lithuania, and I read that in his his biography because I was doing some work with him. Uh, a couple of years ago and I read the book in preparation and got mm. him to sign it um, all he did was take the book show everyone in the room and go look at this I've got a book and someone is asking me to sign it <laughs> he made a big deal about it I was like don't do that mate could you just sign it and just be done with it he played in Lithuania saw a different side to Lithuania yeah. that he talks about whereas my girlfriend and I we we didn't know what to expect and then fell in love with it um, 
helped because it was cheap. Uh, mm. But but we just thought like this is not the average holiday. People would say like, why are you going to Lithuania? I was like, why not? Let's mm. go and explore. But yeah, is it my favorite favorite? No, I'm still going to say America, Alex. I'm still saying America. <laughs> nice. Does that inspire the way you travel, trying to essentially tick off countries and visit as many different places as possible? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I've got a, I can see it now in front of me, a tube that has a map, a world map where you scratch mm. off yeah. where you've been. And uh, I, there's part of me in my head that is reluctant to start because yeah. I'm someone who likes to complete things. Yeah. And I would then suddenly want to go everywhere. And I know already, which makes me sad, that I can't go everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So, like, we've got, and then life, not that it gets in the way, but girlfriend and I are thinking about, well, we'd like to, to buy a place one day. Mm. We better start saving up the deposit. Oh, we'd quite like to do this. And then I'm thinking, yeah, but we can't travel then because you're a teacher. That's not the best time to go to Vietnam. Yeah. And it frustrates me because I, I can't go to all these places and yeah. I'm itching. But when I do pick a place, it's not just because of how cheap the flight is, but I'm thinking, I've never been there. Let's go mm. and find and make memories in, in, in that place. So that's the uh, adrenaline or the buzz that I get from it, mm. especially why. And that's why we don't tend to um, go to the main touristy, touristy sites, because that doesn't give us any buzz, as it were. It's about finding the little things, the off the beaten yeah. track. Awesome. So you have spoken about food a couple of times and yeah. food is something that I enjoy and make sure that I get the most from. You said that you don't plan trips. I'm the complete opposite, just to let you know. Really? When I'm going to somewhere, it's like straight on TripAdvisor. I don't know if you use TripAdvisor very often, but I go straight to mid-range prices. Oh, hello. <laughs> go straight to, <laughs> I'm not going to go to, okay, this is the best restaurant in, let's say, Miami because i'm gonna get straight away get be paying 100 quid for a meal i'm gonna go mid-range prices then we're talking the best restaurant so for food is there a specific best restaurant or best dish you've eaten whilst abroad yes and i love the fact that you are very much like me <laughs> and my girlfriend because the top end restaurants you're not you're not it's too stuffy it's yeah too, don't get me wrong we, like in lithuania we thought let's go all out hello look at us we have, we're splashing the cash here which is a fraction of what a, yeah, a top-end restaurant is in london we had a seven course meal and mm. it was phenomenal like it was incredible but i wouldn't necessarily do it but the 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 places like the food stalls i love mm. street food i love watching um the series on netflix which has got me excited about going to vietnam and or, or to thailand just to eat the food or south mm. korea but I think the the best thing we did, I uh, watched Chef's Table mm. um, and the woman uh, from Mexico, uh, uh, illegal immigrant, moved to uh, Philadelphia mm. and started up a babacoa. Um, it's called the South Philly Babacoa. And it's basically a, a, like a barbecued meat uh, that they normally traditionally have on a Sunday. So I watched it on CF table and I said, if I ever go to Philly, that's where I'm going. So in the same way that you do, I do prep. prep. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to go. If I'm going to go to that country yeah. or, or it becomes a possibility, that's where I'm going to go. I've got a list of these places, list of <laughs> these places, go and have coffee. List yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got to see that view and I've got to see the sunset and I've got to have the picture. And then I will put that in a frame and I may actually put that picture up on the wall when we yeah. have a place. But the South Philly Babacoa, um, we went, 
on a game day to watch the Eagles. Um, and we went there and I said, we've got to get up early because I've seen it on the show. This queue gets long. Yep. And uh, we got up early and my girlfriend said, is this going to be worth it? And we get there that just like, just so special that memory because it, it, it teed us up for the rest of the day. Um, and, it, and it was next to nothing. So cheap to go and have these tacos with babacoa in. Um, and there's loads of other restaurants I've been to or places I've eaten. Um, but that one sticks out. Awesome, man. What a great story. Is there a best country for food, you would say? For me, I, th- I think America is is great. It depends. If you're a vegetarian and, and you're, <laughs> you're on a health kick, stay towards California and all of that side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of the, the pulpit barbecues they have and, mm. and, and because they've got such a diverse range of people from different parts of the world who now live in America and they bring their cuisine with them, you, you're not going to go very far from, from a really good meal. Philly mm. had this incredible counter like a food market we just ate there pretty much every day that we we were there um and uh, provolone gotta be provolone cheese with these <laughs> greens that are drenched in a grave of oh, a worldy like if i could order that sandwich i would order that again so I, I do like america but then you go to somewhere like bologna and you're eating the freshest pasta um that has a real um sort of place in my heart because I'm still trying to find the recipe now yeah. for this dish that I had in Bologna. Um, but yeah, I'd, it's, if, if nothing else, this podcast is now making me feel hungry <laughs> yeah. and disappointed that I can't <laughs> be back in those places. But then again, you just have to be, I, I live in London now and, and you, you don't have to go far. I mean, I know it's all delivery mm. and takeaway <laughs> now, but you don't have to go far to find this, incredible cuisine and try something new and mm. i think that's what when you're traveling you're you're not forced into it but you could just eat macadies you could eat yeah, what yeah, you yeah. know but being adventurous and just going for it you never know what you might find and, and that, that's that's the the allure i guess yeah absolutely and on living in london often discussed as one of the best cities in the world it didn't get mentioned in your section best <laughs> cities <laughs> is that because you were thinking of holidays and trips or where, where does it rank for you yeah, no one's going to London for a little <laughs> holiday, are they? Uh, but then, having said that, it's because you 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 take for granted what you have around you. Mm. I've I remember I got given this book, Walking Tours in London, which I know does not sound like a riveting <laughs> read, but it's the history of a place where you've got music, um, like the the earliest coffee shops that were yeah. in London. Um, and what happened in those it was it was like that was the place where you got your your trades your stocks before mm. internet or you'd go and talk to other people and find out what what people were trading in like you're like wow like life's changed so much so london is the hub of history and i can understand why so many people travel there but for me i work what i work here i'm i'm, I'm annoyed mm. at five o'clock when i'm trying to get to a gig mm. and the tube's packed i'm, I'm annoyed at that so you take that for granted yeah and, and actually I will back myself on this actually. I have started cycling more um, mm. in 2020 because of this lockdown to coffee shops to do a takeaway. Okay. And like I'm cycling 15 miles there on a little Brompton <laughs> and then 15 miles back to get a flat white. And once I started cycling around London, I fell in love with it more because you suddenly realize, and this is for traveling as well. I went across the, the, the bridge towards London Bridge, I think. And then I hung a right and then I was in Allgate East. And then 
I was like, oh, blimey, I used to live in Bethnal Green. Well, that's only up there. It yeah. was like in my head, a mind map started connecting like puzzle yeah, yeah, pieces. Yeah. And I understood the the relativity to different areas of London. I was like, it's not actually that big, really, the centre. You could cycle around it. And so, all right, I do, I do, I do love London as well. I do <laughs> Reluctantly well. admitting it. <laughs> I admit it more. But that's only because of opportunities and and... Whereas before I wouldn't have put it down. I'd say, this yeah. is where I work. This is where stand-up lives. But, uh, and the North of England, obviously stand-up comedy lives as well around Manchester and I've gigged there. But London for me, when I started was, was the hub of it. But you don't see it as the holiday destination. You mm. already live there. Why would I suddenly go, do you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to go and rent a little Airbnb <laughs> in Pimlico. Are you Tom? Why are you going to do that? Well, you know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, unless there's a flight or a train or something, I don't feel like I've gone on a holiday. Yeah, I know what you mean. So to move it back to holidays, is there a holiday that means the most to you? <clears throat> In terms of what? <laughs> In terms of the way you look back on it now, maybe something special happened whilst you're away or whenever you think back to it, you think fond memories. Every it's, holiday. Every it, holiday. It's hard because it, I feel like with this question, I'm trying to make people go deliberately deep. Okay, you want me You want me deep? All right. Okay. Yeah, Here we it. go. Here we go. I'm just uh, loosening up a bit. <laughs> okay. Um, Part of the Eurofan, I got to go to Naples, mm. um, which for me, at secondary school, in a geography class, um, we were asked, you can do a project, A3 piece of paper, and immediately everyone was like, rah, sir, why do we have to do an A3? That's massive. <laughs> Doing an A3 piece, you can pictures, you can draw on it, you can write. Where would you like to go in the world? And I remember at the time, loved Italian food. It was pizza, pasta. I didn't know anything else existed in Italian cuisine at that point. Uh, Parmigiano, what's that? Aubergine. Well, you can't put that down as an emoji. So I am looking at Italy and I looked at Rome and I, and I did a whole like project on it and I just fell in love with it. And then I was like, oh, but Naples as well. That looks incredible. The fish markets, the football. Um, and on my 16th birthday, um, my parents surprised me. We, were, we went to Rome. And, um, and I was buzzing, as you can imagine. And we get there, we look around the Trevi Fountain, all of this, you know, like the Colosseum, yeah. uh, the Emmanuel building. I'm like, this is history, right? It, I was blown away by mm. eating gelato, ice cream all the time. And then they said, look, it is your birthday. You've got an option. You can either have a football kit, like the actual one from the, from the shop. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was kind of lent towards Roma at the time with Francesco yeah. Totti playing. Yeah. So I was like, I'd quite like the shirt. But then they said, or we can actually go to a game. Mm. And I was like, every time it would be the game. So we yeah. went to watch Lazio versus Milan. Oh, at, what a you know, tie. It was, it was one all, so it was a bit dire. But yeah. we went, we didn't know what to expect. We watched the riot police come out for all the Roma fans uh, mm -hmm. trying to attack, uh, sorry, the... Um, the Milan fans attacking the Lazio fans. And uh, there was a buzz on then. I was already ready for the Eurofan, all the skirmishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. my parents were like, well, this is what you want. You love Italy. You've always wanted to come. You're now here. And we chatted, we tried to communicate with the, with the Lazio fans who were watching. They were basically trying to explain to us, you need to bring a newspaper to the, to the stadium. And we, we did wonder why everyone's got that. It's because the seats are so cold <laughs> in February. They sit on a newspaper um, and uh, Veron, who, who had just yeah. moved to United at the time, I believe, 
was uh, back in the stand and they put a camera on him because he played at Lazio, made his okay, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the crowd erupted. Everyone was so excited. Shevchenko scored for Milan uh, and Jankovic, I think, scored a free kick for Lazio. Incredible moment. And then from there, we're, all, we're just so hungry, parents and I. We're maybe at about 11 at night, we find a pizza place back in the center mm. of, of Rome. Like this, that's Amazing. The, the memory for me of, of, of always wanted to go to Italy. I'm now in Italy. Then I get this extra going to a football match mm. and eating like, it probably could have been the worst, cheapest pizza yeah, ever, yeah, yeah. but it didn't matter. We were hungry. We found <laughs> this pizzeria still open and it was like, oh my, that was eating gold. <laughs> it was just like, wow, what is this? So for me, that 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 trip is um the, the the one that I don't talk about ever. Yeah. But it it was started that from my parents giving me that let's go and explore. Mm. Um, you know, that's so that that's the one. I hope that was deep enough for you. Yeah, I like um, it, man. I like it. Sure. Great story, great city as well. So great choice. <laughs> so let's talk about the negative side of travel now. We've spoken about it in such a nice way that makes it feel like it's only ever amazing. But of course, travel can be stressful and all these different elements. Is there a place that you would never go back to? Um, I think at the time, 2014, Brazil, fell in love with the, the, the mm. country. What a place. Um, and then going to the favelas, which were pacified at the time, I wouldn't necessarily go back there now. Um, and for me, I'm going to answer this by saying I've got my girlfriend now. At the, at the time I went there, I was with a team, uh, the Copper 90 guys mm. and Maya Jammer and the, and the, and the rest. And I, and I didn't have any tie. I had nothing that I had to protect or be part of, or or I just had to care about myself. And I, I found Brazil to be like just a brilliant place. I could really go off and mingle. But I think it was it felt a lot safer because of the World Cup being on. Mm. It's not to say I wouldn't go back, but I'd be very wary of going back to some of the places I went on my own, thinking, mm. "Well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going <laughs> to meet some people. We've got a camera here. It's going to be great." Um, so, uh, so I, th I think probably the favela and yet they were the most beautiful and the people that I met in the favelas were just in like, just phenomenal. Like I was swapping hats with them and, and just having a drink with them and eating yeah. and, but yet it's, it's, it's not to say I'm scared of going back, but I wouldn't go back with my girlfriend now. It's a completely different, yeah, different situation, but I think that's what travel is that you can be scared of going to places because of the th fear of what will happen like i really want to go to detroit but we've mm. watched on youtube uh, <laughs> a guy that goes down eight mile with a, um, a, a dash cam on and it's you know like the crime rates up there's this yeah. that and the other and i was like i'd really like to go to detroit it's a fascinating story how the the car automobile industry was there it was booming and then it was the first i think city in the world to go bankrupt wow my girlfriend's like, why do you want to go there? And I was like, but this would be so much fun. And she was like, how is that fun seeing a town, a city broken? And I was like, because you don't see that every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no, I'm now thinking of holidays or places we travel for kind of like, I'm like, I'm not even a dad. I'm now that boring person who's like, well, I don't know. My girlfriend's not going to necessarily enjoy that. Whereas in, internally, I'm like, that's yeah. the best place to go because- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have, I, I don't think there's a place that I wouldn't go, but there's places that aren't on the top list now. Yeah, I get you. Like I want to go to Mexico, but yet all You've I hear been. about Mexico, never been. But it's I want to go place. to Mexico. 
Oh, well, that's annoyed me. It now, is actually. an amazing place. Food, culture, it's incredible. Easy just to stay in the hotel is what I'll say. If you get a good hotel, it's easy to stay in the hotel. I've got a really bad story from the time my girlfriend and I went to a place called Tulum in Mexico, which is about two hours away from Chichen Itza, which is one of the seven yeah. wonders of the world. And this man comes up to us and says, oh, we're doing a bus tour out to Chichen Itza. It's uh, going to take two hours there. Enjoy it. Two hours back. And we're sat by the pool with strawberry daiquiris being uh, delivered to us and we're like you know what we're not going to go and it's only when you come back from that place and a year later you go we were two hours away from one of the seven ones of the world and we didn't go no way that that's what infuriates that's what's inf infuriates um when you're traveling the, the downside is you can't see everything it's like what i said earlier about you you want to see every country but you know you can't see every country and then you start planning it for the people you're going with like, oh, well, we'll do that and that. And that'll be for this person or a family holiday. You can never get everyone really happy uh, about it. But so like we went on a family holiday to Skiathos and um, loved it. it Where's that? It's in, it's, in, it's in Greece. Okay. And it's like ABBA Island. So if you're okay. an ABBA fan, which I've not even seen it. Uh, I've seen <laughs> ABBA. And I've watched on YouTube ABBA. But yeah. the, um, what's the film? The Greek... Mamma Mia. Thank you. Yeah nailed it right that's how much i don't i took no interest in it but everyone goes there but we loved it because we were in this all-inclusive holiday which i'd never been on before and i fell in love with that i was like this is great stock up on breakfast you can't move about midday you can finally get in the pool without worrying about sinking and then you just look forward to dinner yeah brilliant holiday for all of that but there were so many little things that you could have gone and done around the island and i didn't because i just stayed in this all-inclusive but yeah um what was the point of that the point of was I remember you, do, you, you do get frustrated because you can't yeah. see everything so then what you do is you go we'll go back there next year mm. the problem with that is you'll run out of years in which yeah. you can go to a new place yep oh tough man it's really tough is there a place that you could always go back to new zealand uh if you're going to travel that far <laughs> you, you you've really got to go go for it um doing the new zealand comedy festival um, I actually went out there on a whim actually I, I went traveling there first for a wedding with my best mate and then of course Australia is only three hours away so I've got friends that live there so that's you can in your head you can justify well it's only a three-hour trip I'll, I'll go on a plane yeah. I'll, I'll go over to Sydney so I saw friends fell in love with New Zealand like I know, I know I'm gonna go back on myself now and say America's not my favorite place mm -hmm. but New Zealand just loved it some people moan it and say oh it's like it's stuck in a time trap it's not yeah it's not it, it the, the place is beautiful the people are, are good natured and and they like the outdoors and stuff. And there's nothing that can kill you unless you fall off something obviously <laughs> but there's no animals or insects that can kill you uh, unlike australia yeah. and i remember stayed with friends in christchurch in the south island and then we were watching new zealand versus south africa on a tv and i went where's that and he's like oh that's down in dunedin and I was like, how far away is that? He's like, six hours, maybe five and a half. I was like, oh, he said, well, do you want to just borrow the car? So the day after I made it down, left early morning, wow. traveled down for six hours and watched the evening session. But that journey is kind of a lot of just, you know, what we'd consider like their motorway is like an A road for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's vast and just explore. And I was on my own just exploring. Wow. That's, that's like... A, a brilliant place beautiful people great stuff and there's so much to do so that's uh, another place i feel like i'm suggesting places i've been oh, mate my bucket list is growing 
growing tenfold because of this episode. So if New Zealand was perhaps a European country for whatever weird reason, you would always yeah. go back there. That would be the place you always 100%. go. One hundred percent. Yeah. But it's just it's just too. too when you're on a seventeen-hour flight, <laughs> just seventeen hours on one plane, guys. If you've never been on a long-haul flight, that's next level. You're rocking back and forth. Just please, can we stop? Can we please? Can we stop? Um, but but it, it but it is iconic, and there's so much to do in terms of like water rafting and all these kind of things that you wouldn't necessarily you don't get to do in other places like going to see some glow worms going uh abseiling like a, um i forget the name of it where you're paragliding yeah you're, like i'm just running with this instructor it what's the one where it's like it's kind of like um it's got its wings on the top and you're holding onto the bar in front uh it's not paragliding I want to sing free falling, but that's, that's good. Yeah. I, I can't think of the name. Hang gliding. It's hang okay, gliding. Cool. Hang gliding that like, you're just running off a mountain and you're Mad. like in, in New Zealand, it feels like if you feel like you're going to die, that you're going to have the best moment. <laughs> so to doing that and just, yeah, you're like, you're at one with nature and you're like, wow, this is, that's definitely a place I could probably live. Are you, are you a proper thrill seeker? No. No. no, not not at all. But I think <laughs> at some point in your life, I did a when I was working um for Capital, uh, we did a charity skydive, and during the time and something in my life that was going on, uh, I was like, "What's the worst that can happen?" And I suppose it's it's death, right? Yeah. That's the worst <laughs> thing that can happen. <laughs> and then at least someone's getting the a holiday insurance back, right? Obviously, so you know, go with a loved one; they can get the money. But I was like, what's the worst that can happen? This is this is so out of my comfort zone. And and normally I'd go, well, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not a thrill seeker. But once you've done something, it was for charity. I couldn't back out of it. Mm. And I fall. I'm like, that is an adrenaline buzz that I've never had before. So I, I turned it down a notch in New Zealand and went hang gliding. But still, I could have fallen and oh, died. Yeah. But I was like, wow, that's... It's like you, there's moments on a holiday where you're like, this is lovely. I'm relaxed or, oh, that's interesting. That's fascinating. And then there's another buzz, which is like, oh my God, what could have happened? Oh, oh, actually everything was all right. So you've gone through all these stages of emotions and you feel by the end of it, when you return home, you're like, we've got to do that again next year. Let's save up. Let's go. Yeah. Amazing. So we've spoken about all these amazing places you have been to, but let's move it on to a bucket list destination now, a place which you've never been to, but you really want to, perhaps the first place that you'll go to once all of this shit disappears. <laughs> which cannot happen soon enough. <laughs> um, I th I've always liked the look of Japan. Yep. I got into a series on YouTube called Worth It. Um, yeah, amazing I series. Amazing love series. That. So good. Because very simple. You'd be obviously, I know they have an option. Say they look at rice. They're like, here's the really cheap version. Here's the mid range. And then here's mm -hmm. the ultra expensive where they're putting truffles in it and what have you. Uh, I really like the idea of uh, Japan um, in March uh, when they have the cherry blossom, yeah. the fall. I'd love to go there. Um, that's on the list, but mm -hmm. so is Vietnam. Always wanted to go to Vietnam. Yep um so they're they're the sort of top two that i would i would love to go to but they're the ones that require that little bit extra thought and yep. planning and when's the good time to go my girlfriend's a teacher so that ruins that so <laughs> uh, so so yeah that they're, they're two on the list right now because i want to see the old japan i want to see the new japan where you, there's no other word for it it's a it's a genuine he head fuck that's that's the only way yeah. i can describe it 
I tried not to swear on this, but that's genuinely how I talk. <laughs> if you would not be swearing, I've been swearing the whole time. Oh, it's like a head spin because you're like, what is this? I found that in Moscow. Yeah. Where I was like, no one speaks English. What? How am I not? I don't. I'm, like, if you go to Europe, there's always going to be someone speaking in English, but somewhere, but in Russia, it was the words are completely di- like, that's what I feel like Asia will be. Yeah. F- for me. And that is, uh, that would be an experience, uh, the sensory overload. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure. This episode's been brilliant and I know it's going to be received really well as well. It's um, long, isn't it? It's gone it, like oh, mate, it's long. long. One hour ten. No. It could have been two no, hours. That's... I didn't want to keep you. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got nothing to do in lockdown. No, uh, it, <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. I hope people have enjoyed it. Or that's what I think is brilliant about travel. When you talk to someone and someone talks passionately about a place, you're like, "What are they banging on about? Why do they? Why do they love Finland so much?" And then yeah. it inspires you or, or to to go um, and to be open minded. So I I I will definitely take on board. Mexico I'll try and force that through in the next uh, relationship agenda meeting I don't know if anyone else <laughs> has that you have like a yearly review um how's, your, doing how's yours gonna go this year uh, I've got a few uh pointers that I need to raise uh <laughs> and also a lot of things that I need to improve on but but that's the moment like oh let's do it here's a place I didn't mention it Cuba game okay. changer game changer if you do not stay in the hotel and you go and explore that when I got back from Cuba, I, w- I went with friends. One a friend is Cuban, so we stayed in the family home, uh, which has got nothing, and and you take everything for granted. So if you go to a, a kind of restaurant, your options are we've got chicken, and then you're waiting for them to say something else, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh no, I think that is, I think that is it. I That's think that is it. That is it." And uh, and if they don't have something, they don't have something. It's not like the kind of service that you expect. Well, the, the restaurant will have choice. No, this is what there is. Do you want it or do you not? And I and I love that. But when I got back to the airport, we did it via Milan. So you stop off in Milan and then head on to uh, to Havana. But at the airport, I was just with the sensation I felt when I went into this prep with all that choice. I was my head melted. I was like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel. There is too much. Why was I complaining before about there's not this, there's not that. So I think everyone needs to do one holiday like that. So you just appreciate the things that you already have. So that was a holiday trip that made me realize, and I'm only reminded of it because I've got the cigars on my shelf. I'm giving across that I'm some sort of smoker. I'm not. I haven't smoked one of them since I got back, but that's the thing you kind of do to help out a family. You buy the cigars and then that gives them uh, money money to spend. So, um, yeah, but you need to go on those holidays where you, your opinion changes or you you actually love your home life even more because yeah. you've been there. Yeah. Before awesome. I just add that in to add more time on now. Oh, mate, add all the time you like. <laughs> it's been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on. It really does mean a lot to me i appreciate it so much thank you mate alex an absolute pleasure so um hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime in person awesome. oh, i can show you the photos who does yeah, that these days do show you the old photos maybe i reckon probably 2022 perhaps <laughs> yeah this was me in lockdown this was me doing a zoom gig for amazon this is this <laughs> like no right, let's not do that one <laughs> quality thanks so much tom pleasure mate so there we go that was episode 16 and the final episode of series two 
I am absolutely buzzing to have ended Series 2 with such an amazing guest, so thanks again to Tom for coming onto the show. I'm going to be taking a break from the podcast for just one week now to give me a chance to record some more episodes and bring you a really strong third series, but I'll be back on February the 22nd for the third series. But before I go, I was hoping you could do me a favour. If you're listening to this now and have enjoyed at least one episode of the podcast, then hopefully you can help me spread the word to help it grow and reach new listeners. I've been working really hard on this podcast for the last few months and would really love to reach as many new people and smash my goals for 2021. So whether it's just introducing the podcast to one of your friends who you think might enjoy it, it would be massively appreciated. So thanks as always for listening, guys, and I'll be back on February the 22nd with another amazing guest. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.